0: I love my In a valley, on a mountain, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being, I beheld only God. Like a candle I melted in his flames, amidst the sparks of the flames, I beheld only God. Good morning, my friends. Welcome to You Are with Mara and Brian. Brian is on the other line. Good morning, Brian, and
1: welcome. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, listeners. welcome. Welcome. We are here only to be truly helpful. We are here to represent him who sent us. We do not have to worry about what to say or what to do. It's he who sent us. will direct us. We are content to be wherever he wishes knowing he goes there with us we will be healed as we let him teach us Jesus. wow
0: hello Mama. hello hello it's so nice to talk to you it's been far too long although i think only three weeks but far too long three weeks
1: is a long time It
0: is a very long time. A lot can happen in three weeks. That's for sure. And this has certainly been a momentous three weeks. We've gone through several um, faiths uh, holy seasons. I don't know if all of you have noticed that. I encourage you to write down the word holiday, and then after the I, put a hyphen in. This is an ancient holy season, and uh, we are celebrating our holy days and. Then of course we have the New Year. It's amazing. Uh, tell us a little bit about yours, Bry.
1: Well, my holidays were fantastic. The time with lots of family and friends, and I never did allow myself to, even though I waited till the last three days, of Christmas to actually do my shopping. I didn't uh, allow myself to be carried away with, oh no, oh no, last minute, last minute. It all caught up in the. Um, Anxiety and worry and stress, that can come along with just the holiday in general and waiting for such a time. And I just found myself really, really enjoying the season when I didn't allow myself to be carried away by stress and worry and anxiety. And I, I realized more and more each day as I choose for my peace, no matter the circumstances, that life in all of its situations, all of its days, and every circumstance, becomes more enjoyable and it is a choice that we can make in each moment each day given every circumstance and i'm choosing that more and more often so i have to say that this is one of the better christmases for me just because of that fact alone
0: yeah good point good point me too me too i just i just feel at peace you know, I just feel at peace, and generally when I looked at all, you know, when you're with family, you see the things that in the past have pushed your buttons, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, it's like there was no need to push any buttons. Uh, you know, I really, really, really like that, uh, Rabiya, the mystic quote that we start this program with. Because even as I was saying it today, you know, it, it, it's like everything is God. So that means everyone is a part of God. And, and then, you know, you're listening to what's being said, and, and that's not to say you aren't troubled by things that some people are believing. But, you know, you, you, you try to say something in a positive way, but then that's it. It's not worth uh, spending hours and hours and days and days. And and because I I am around, like, young people and older people, I see that, Brian, you're really kind of a bit of an anomaly. I don't think most young people are where you are. And, And I think that that is just a phenomenal statement about, what you are here to help people realize. I think that older people start acquiring that, but younger people many times, from what I observed, tend to be very caught up in getting things done their way and, and have like a plan of action and everything's supposed to fit into the category. It's like a calendar of life. And every second is outlined, and not only for the person, but for the people around them. So if you love me, you do X. And then uh, because I love you, I do Y. And my goodness, since very seldom do we follow that track, uh, people end up unhappy and not feeling loved. Both the giver and the receiver end up not feeling love. And, it, and I think it has a lot to do with not being at that place
1: you described. Yes. Yes, it does. And this place that I described and this experience is available to each and every one of us, no matter our age, no matter our circumstance, no matter our surroundings. It really does become a choice of choosing for peace, over-choosing for chaos. And what we, what I realized truly and deeply is that a lot of times, like you said, people have a plan of action and they set out, let's say you sit down at 18 years old and you put out, okay, I'm going to do this for the, my life, I'm going to marry this person, I'm going to buy this house, blah, 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 and we can put out, and I'm going to retire at this time, and I'm going to do these things, and you can put out this whole plan of action to follow to a T. And what I realized is that a lot of times we're putting all these plans into motion in our minds, on paper maybe, so that we can reach an end goal to where we can say, I live the good life, and declare that I live the good life at the end of my life when all those things match up. And I realized that that is futile and ridiculous and keeps you away from enjoying life no matter what the circumstances are, right here and right now. So should we really live our lives searching for happiness for a moment of time that's coming in the future that we might reach and might not reach, or choose for our happiness now and enjoy life regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation, right here, right now, and enjoy life every moment of our lives and really do live our lives to the fullest what I'm realizing is that's what living a life to the fullest means. Not meaning going out and accomplishing everything, doing everything, but living each moment full of joy in each moment. That's what it means to live life to the fullest.
0: Yes. Yes, I agree with you. I think that uh, we too often miss the beauty of the moment we're in because we're so caught up in what it isn't, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it's there. there's just... Surrounding us, so much peace, so much peace, you know. And it doesn't matter what path you choose to follow to arrive at that peaceful zone, to get to that place of comfort and and security, and and it's it's there, and it's and you're loved. I think that you know if I can do anything for the rest of my life. If I'm going to chart every minute, it would be that I chart being my highest self and showing people love in my words and deeds. And when I fail, because I will fail, I will drop a toxic bomb. Every one of us will sometimes drop a toxic bomb. The emotions, the ego, whatever word you want to use, uh, the, the maya of it all will take over and you'll get caught up suddenly in wanting to be right. But even when I do that, I don't have to stay in that place. I can see it for what it is. And, you know, I used to say to people, because I'd like for us maybe today to talk practically about how do you get to this place that that you and I share. And I I used to um, think that, you know, if you weren't doing it my way, then I needed to convince you my way was right. And then I I moved somehow I like kind of moving to accepting your way and I guess recognizing that God doesn't create trash that everybody has a purpose and and everything but if you really can see that all is a part of God it softens your eyes to them you're not going to believe I never had heard the concept of soft eyes until one day I was reading one of those uh, checkout counter news magazines and they were doing an interview of Goldie Hahn and she said, you know, as I live my life, I try to soften my eyes to the people around me. And, and, so, and it's so much easier to soften your eyes when you know that you get to start over. You don't have to stay in that place that you've created for yourself. What, I guess what people would call hell that hell that you've created for yourself. So what do you do? I'm going to tell you my number one thing that I did in the beginning. And then Brian, if you could kind of share, maybe we'll go number one, number two, but each one of us sharing one. But what the first thing that I did and that I've encouraged others to do is I actually looked at how I felt. So uh, when I gave myself, because you give yourself permission to feel something. When I first learned about 10, 11 years ago that you give yourself permission to have a thought, to hold on to it, you know, and, and to keep it close to your heart. So that means you can give yourself permission to let that thought go. Well, then I thought, okay, now... As that thought starts materializing, how do I start feeling? Because I realized it wasn't just enough to know that I thought like the name, uh, I can think of the name... um, make a name up because I don't want to say a person's name on here. Albert. So just because I thought Albert, which was not a good thought for me to be thinking about, and Albert, I don't mean you if you're listening. That's my one of my uh, the attorneys here in town. I don't want him to think I mean him. But you know, when I would think that name, I would get an immediate, immediate physical kind of reaction so i knew where i was taking that thought from the first second and that physical inclination that i got was really like a big harbinger of of it was just a little smidge just a little teeny bit of what ultimately i would be feeling And so sure enough, you know, as I came to look at my feelings for the thoughts that I, you know, I I knew they were coming, I felt it coming, I thought a name, and then I moved off into the feelings, I began to realize, ooh, yuck, I don't want this feeling. And I really, so for me, the beginning of finding peace was recognizing what peace was not for me the feelings I had of disenchantment, disappointment, sadness, that the deep, deep, um, I don't know if I would use the word depression because that seems to be such a popular word that you treat with pills, but sadness. I mean, I guess it is depression, you know, that, that could go on for hours, maybe days, you know, and feeling that and saying, okay, now I know what this feels like. And I also know what it feels like right at its very beginning. And now, if I get to that beginning and I'm feeling those feelings, then I say, what lesson is there in this for me? But this isn't about what I do now. This is about one of the first steps for me, was learning to recognize my own feelings, my own reactions, sadness, happiness, Deep, deep sadness, um, you know, joy, elation, peace. And you know what? Peace is not... I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this one too, Brian. Um, Peace is not like um, a giant slice of of, uh, happiness, like a giant smile, a happy face. It's much, much more, but it is less emotion, anyway, my first step, Brian, how about you? You're young I'm really interested in knowing how you came
1: to this place so young. What was the well, beginning for you it's It's hard to say what the beginning is, um, but I can tell you what the realization that came to me, um, that helped me to make the choice and then therefore experience it more often and then it it just eventually becomes a part of you. As we know, anything that you choose to focus on, you're going to build a habit in that direction. Like if you one day didn't clean your room all the time and made a commitment to cleaning your room once a week, it would just become a habit for you and then eventually you wouldn't think about it. You wouldn't have to make yourself do it it would just come natural, and you just start picking things up and and cleaning up the space. So it really comes along with a choice that this is what I'm going to do. And, of course, what we realize is that until you know there's a choice to be made, there is no choice to be made. So awareness comes into the key,
0: into into the
1: picture. So once awareness comes into the picture and you realize that there is another choice, well, now it just simply becomes a responsibility, and an opportunity to choose. So then once you make your choice, you can get, go ahead and then work on it, work on it, work on it, build it up, build it up, build it up, until it becomes who you are. And so what I begin to realize is that it's always my choice, just like you were talking about. I love the, what you were talking about with looking upon soft people with soft eyes, is that we need to realize that the way we see people, is not is not is not the way they are, and I mean that literally for each one of us. If there was someone, if there were ten of us standing in the room, and we all took one of us and put us in the center, and said, "Okay, everybody, look upon this person and describe this person," we would all give different descriptions of that one person. So, in other words, that person in essence, would be nine different people because nine of us are looking upon that person and describing and seeing them and depicting them as we experience them. And this is because we have our own judgments, our own ideas, our own time that we spent with this person to get to know them and experience them in different moods at different times and so on and so forth. So I begin to realize that the way that I see someone is not who they are totally. It might be a, set, a piece of them, and it might just be a piece of them that they displayed at a bad time, but that doesn't make it who they are. And what really got me to see things in this way was when I went deep within myself into that space of peace that we're talking about. And when you can go deep within inside yourself, we begin to realize that we're not our actions. We're not our words. We're not even our thoughts. We are vibration.
0: We are energy.
1: And in truth, energy is perfect without any interruption, without any flaws. It is a perfect divine expression of love. And so when you can connect into this space with yourself, that's where your eyes really begin to shift when you can see it in them as well. And so I made that shift inside my, I started to make that shift inside myself. And therefore my eyes and the way I see people and experience people shift. Now I'm not saying I never like respond maybe negatively or emotionally towards someone else's behaviors and words, but I begin to realize very quickly because I've been practicing picking up the trash and cleaning up the room that when they're doing that, that if they're doing that, maybe if, if it seems like they're doing it to attack, that they're really just hurting. And so for them to be hurting means they need to be shown more love, not less love, because that's ultimately, ultimately what would heal anybody who's acting out in an aggressive manner, is that they're confused, they're lost, and they, act, they feel like they're all alone. And the moment that we can say, like, even, even the words I understand can just really knock down that wall of heaviness and bitterness that we can hold on to that, uh, that causes us to attack one another with our words when we really, really don't mean it. And so we can start to take a different approach, looking at this one differently and therefore responding differently to them and therefore bringing out the best of them. And so it becomes a simple choice of first off awareness that there is a choice and then, of course, choosing it. And, of course, the initial choice or the choice that needs to be looked upon is the one of looking within yourself and recognizing your own true beauty and recognizing for yourself that you are loved. And then from there, everything else just opens up and blossoms in a glorious panoramic view of the way things really are and what begins to happen is we stop putting onto the world we stop projecting onto the screen in our own minds in our own vision how things are based upon our judgments, and we allow like watching a movie that we've never seen before we allow ourselves to be um, pleasantly surprised as to what things really are rather than trying to walk around saying, I know what things are already. This is this, this is this, this is this. And we live in this world that is so limited and our limitations fall away. And we begin to see and recognize more of the beauty that is there that we can't see because we've got blinders on with our judgments. And instead now that we've released our judgments, we can see what is truly there and the beauty that is was always there, but we just weren't allowing ourselves to see because we had heavy eyes and we didn't have soft eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, when I, um, I, you know, folks, uh, those of you who are listening in, um, you. I, if you've listened for any period of time, if you haven't, Brian and I are both heightened six sensors, and it's interesting. I think that you want, I think first of all, I think potentially everyone comes with some sort of heightened six sense. They just don't trust it, and but sometimes there's, there's just a little bit slight vibration with a few people that's a little bit higher, so they can't not trust it. Because otherwise, they would be crazy, and they're not going to be crazy. So, you know, uh, at that point, then you, you say, okay, you know, this is way too way too coincidental that I have these feelings, and I'm able to say things to people that are so right on, and I don't even know them. I mean, I, maybe I just met them on the on the Internet. But putting that aside, recognizing that is true for each of us, okay, nevertheless, we didn't come to a place of peace immediately. We did not. And now I have I have like a defining moment in my life. It's not when I came to a place of peace. It's when I really stepped into the chaos of life. And and it's so weird. It's down in Brian's uh, region, down in Southern California. I had an aunt who lived in Corona. I had just we had just moved to California, and I was I was going to be 12 years old in December. And I was visiting with my aunt over the summer. I grew up in a town called Whittier. Richard Nixon. Probably most of you are too young to know him, but. That was his hometown, and uh, so I, um, and I'm not as old as Richard Nixon, <laughs> that was just the only claim to fame I can think for Whittier. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm laying in this bed, and it's, I'm, I'm 11 years old for heaven's sakes. What can an 11-year-old have done in life? And yet there, at 11 years old, I did a complete life analysis to this day, I have no idea. It was, it was pretty much not, wow, this is what's right about me. It was all the things that I regret having done. But you know what came out of that place is something that has been pivotal to who I am. Because from that bed at 11 years old, I knew that no matter what I did, God loved me. Now, I didn't say to you, I loved me. And I have to tell you, my friends, I believe peace comes from you loving you. And I do believe crucial to beginning to do that is to believe that you are worthy and loved by God. But that's why you are okay is the name of this uh, this program. You are uniquely created, divinely inspired. You are right now just who you need to be. But And so many people, though, get caught in that place, I was at 11, of judging themselves against a whole different background. Now, despite knowing that God loved me my whole life, and no matter what I did, I was loved. And so I did experience life. What interests me was that when I, now that I know peace, I'm thinking, geez, I wish I would have thought about this when I was Brian's age, because it's such a wonderful place to be it would be a wonderful place to raise children. It would be a wonderful place to begin nurturing the belief in spirit and God. And what Brian said that was just grab me, many things he said grab me, but one really caught my mind was he talked about how if you put a person in the middle of nine other people, nine other people, there would be nine, and really, if there are ten people in the room, there would be ten different perceptions of who that person is. Personally, that is one of the, the um, I, before the show started, Brian, I was telling you about how I'm sometimes amazed at how someone will hear something I say. That's, that's an example to me of that. Is, mm-hmm. is they're, they're seeing me as someone different and when i went in my um i was in 92 so it was a long time ago no 96 excuse me 97 i um i i was studying judaism because i was so sad that there was so much judgment of being in christianity but i came to know there's so much judgment in Judaism, there's so much judgment in uh, Islam. There's so much judgment in just about everything. I mean, no one could let everyone be enough. <laughs> but believe me, everyone is enough, just as they are. And so I'm appreciative that right around the time I was studying Judaism, Neil Donald Walsh was writing Conversations with God, that uh, his book resonated with me, although my first book that really resonated was Celestine Prophecy, because it helped me feel like I wasn't completely awed. And it wasn't certifiable. But anyway, when I was studying with a rabbi, Rabbi Tish, Tishman, down in uh, Beverly Hills, he told me, he took, every time I would come, he would take me through the same party. And I think I've told many of you this story before. But we would go through the same party, but we would go through it from the perspective of a different person at the party. Exactly what Brian is talking about. And, and what I came to catch then was the perceptions, that everyone has a different perception about things. Everyone's life experiences define who they are. And so for all the billions or trillions of people in the world there are, each one's life experience defines how they're going to see a given moment. And so what we're looking for here today are what we share in common that can help us tap into this peace that is inside each and every one of us, this just glorious acceptance of the world and life as it is, believing you are safe. I'm going to say that's probably the second thing I would encourage you to believe, is to believe you are safe. Now, I understand that people are probably thinking, well, that's one thing for someone to say, you know, who's sitting here talking on a radio, obviously has a computer, you know, apparently is well fed, has all of the life necessities, to feel that they are safe. And yet, I can say to you that even before that epiphany moment, when I was 11 years old, I grew up in a family that had very little money. It would offend my parents for me to call them um, poor. But I felt safe. I grew up in a family where um, I experienced uh, some incestuous conduct from my father. But nevertheless, I came out of that feeling safe. And that's because safety... Doesn't just come from your physical surroundings. It comes from believing that you have a valuable contribution, that you are here for a reason, that you are part of God. And I have always known that. I offended the people in my Christian church one time when I said, I have an intimate relationship with God. I have always known God, and that is a blessing of my heightened six senses. But to be able to say, I am safe, to crystallize on those words, is something that I agree, I believe now, to say to yourself, I am safe. So the two things that I would bring to the table are, number one, coming to know your own feelings and recognizing the triggers inside you that take you away from peace. And maybe in the beginning, that's recognizing the things that take you away from feeling happy. And the second is to say to yourself, I am safe. It just... For me, sends a whole well of peace over me. I am safe, no matter what the circumstance. I am safe. So I grew up in less than a desirable environment, so it doesn't have to be a perfect world for you to feel safe, my friends. And I'd like to, before I switch off to Brian here, I'd like to just tell you an example of how your words can make a difference. Um, there are some people, believe it or not, who have diabetes who didn't get to become diabetic because they were, quote, fat. <laughs> you know, God knows why we have diabetes so much in our society, but there are. And uh, now, that doesn't mean they don't start having weight issues, because taking insulin artificially makes people gain weight. It's a scary reality. But my mother is a relatively thin woman, but she wasn't always, but she has diabetes. And... um I don't believe it's because she was, quote, fat. And, but my mother is very strong-willed and needs to make her own life decisions. So I went to spend uh, the New Year's Eve with my parents. Yes, I did. You know, may not be a high life I used to live when I lived in L.A. I pulled out some glitz and glamour clothes the other day to wear to a party, and I thought, you know, I kind of miss that stuff. That was fun, going to the theater and stuff. But right now, I'm here with my mom and dad, and they're in the final days of their lives. How many days that is, I don't know. And hopefully it's many, many and its years. And so my mom, though, yesterday, uh, takes her blood and discovers that her blood sugars are 51. That's very low. Okay. um, Earlier, it had been 119, which is a signal a diabetic should eat. And she didn't, and so then now she's down to 51, and I think I've said to you, my mom has been in the hospital this last year with her blood sugars, and it's caused me to accept that life is a bargain between a person, a soul, and God, and I can make suggestions, but that's it. And I know when I make suggestions to my mom that she gets angry, very angry, and especially if her blood sugars are low. In fact, yesterday I could say to her, well, Mom, you're not exactly the easiest person to persuade when your blood sugars are low. And that's when they weren't low, and she understood. She didn't say anything. But yesterday, it's 51, and she decides she's going to have another cup of coffee. Not eat. Have another cup of in, in, empty whatever's, empty calories, empty, empty liquid. And I just looked at her and I said, you know, Mom, let, if you do not fix yourself a bowl of cereal, then I'm going to fix you a bowl. Because I had now offered ten times to fix your bowl of cereal in an hour. And that's what she decided she wanted. And she stood up from that chair, and she was so angry, and she was throwing stuff right and left. I'm making my own cereal. I'm not helpless, and went and made herself this bowl of cereal. And I didn't say anything else because that's all I wanted her to do was eat. But then when she sat down, I said quietly, "I said, you know, Mom, the thing about being diabetic, because I had great, I have Graves' disease, so I have- am diabetic also." I said, "Is." when my blood sugars are low i don't want to eat at all and when my blood sugars are high there's not enough sweets and sugar any and carbs anywhere and pretty soon and she's laughing she's laughing even though she was angry so we're not saying don't say something but we're saying think about what you say so that you can help take a potentially angry situation and, if possible, turn it into laughter. Brian,
1: i rambled on a bit. I don't feel you rambled on. I feel that you shared some wonderful information with us and showed us a wonderful example of ways that we can handle situations. And what it comes down to um, a lot of times is exactly what you like to mention a lot of times on the show, which comes from the book the Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which is don't take things so personally. Yeah. We need to realize that everybody is processing their own emotions, their own likes and dislikes, and when things aren't going the way that others, someone else wants them to go, then they are responding and acting in certain ways. And we can realize that, again, so similar to what I was saying earlier, that when someone is acting out, in a not so pleasant, not so loving way, it's because they're scared, they're upset, they're frustrated that things aren't going the way they want them to go, and maybe life's overwhelming, and they are just acting out when you know when we allow ourselves to really sink into that experience of life should be a certain way, and we work and work and work and work to get there, and we feel like we're not getting there or we're actually slipping back and we feel like life is being unfair to us, we can just lash out at anything and everything. And the cause for it has nothing to do with what we're lashing out at. It's because we're holding on to this resentment, we're holding on to this anger, we're holding on to this worry that we're not going to get what we think we need, and we're lashing out on someone who doesn't deserve the lashing because it has nothing to do with them. And when we can begin to realize us who might be getting lashed at when we can begin to realize that, wait, this has nothing to do with me. Yes, they're lashing out at me, but really they're not lashing out at me. They're just releasing all that anger that they're holding on to on another situation. And we don't even need to know that it's another situation. We can just simply say, well, this is uncalled for, so it must not be something that I did. This is something, the baggage they're bringing with them. And when we can separate ourselves from feeling like we're being attacked, when someone seems to be attempting to attack us. And we could say, whoa, 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 this is all about them. Let me not take this personally. And by them not taking it personally, we can be effective to helping them to release what it is that's wrong with them. And, of course, as we know, that as someone releases all that pent-up aggression, anxiety, stress, and worry, that they become softer. And it's like a a teapot. You turn on, you put the water in the teapot. You turn on the the heat, and as it starts to boil and boil and boil, eventually the steam's going to come out, and it's going to make a hissing sound, and it's going to be an unpleasant sound until you turn down the the pressure. And so, saying to someone, "I understand," and and allowing them to vent brings down the pressure and brings down the boiling point, and then they can be a more reasonable, reasonable person. Because we know that when someone is consumed by their discomfort, by their anxieties, by their worries, by just thinking that life's treating them poorly, they are not themselves. They are not themselves. And so we don't need to respond to them like this is who they are. We can recognize that this is not who they are, and we can help them get back to who they are by helping them vent and not taking it personally. It's such a powerful tool that we can use to help one another.
0: Yeah, see more in others than they are showing you. Yes. Yeah. You know, you know, see God in them, see more in them, and uh, you know, I when I um, it, it, it's it, it that's a mindset. I I am I'm I'm really lucky because, um, I I can see where people hold their pain and i can also feel it's in my mind i feel where they hold their joy their their spark of god and i know that some people have that spark of god so far inside of them so protected it's like a giant wall protecting them from pain and and so it's almost like through love you take the bricks down one by one, by one, and and you just see more in them. And for whatever reason, people are sometimes afraid that if they take away somebody else's bricks and they just respond positively, that in the process they will lose some part of their, their value that they will be less and it's because they have such a small infantismal idea of what they're because they place such a small infant infantismal value on themselves. And and they are so much more. I mean, as I, as I listen to people tell me stories, I'm just, this, over this holiday weekend, and, and you know, I just see so many lost opportunities to say, yes, you're right, you're so valued, you are enough. Whether, um, but for some pe- reason, people have this idea that they need to assert their truth, and they don't recognize that, that their truth may put a brick back around someone as opposed to taking one down and their truth is designed to help them feel better about themselves but it doesn't enhance the room so there's sometimes it's better just to stay silent there there is a, a quote uh, from Buddha that, that basically asks uh, Siddhartha does um, do your words make the situation better so that's probably my third thing that I would say about finding peace and, and that also comes from Don Miguel Reese's book Be Impeccable with your Word so I would I would say for me coming to a place of peace is recognizing my feelings, verbally saying I am safe, even though at times I may feel threatened. I also send prayers to the people that I feel are threatening me, because seldom do you feel threatened that you do not have human beings involved in it. And remember, my friends, we are manifestors. So when you say I am safe, you are manifesting. When you send love to the people who are causing you to not feel safe, you're feeling, remember? Then when you send love to those people, you are manifesting love in the world. And then I aim, I'm not always successful, I aim to be impeccable with my word. To say words that will tear down people's walls that are around their inner divinity as opposed to words that will build them up. Perfect example, someone was telling me a story, and I was, to me, this is really a good example. Prior to the holidays, this person had told me that she was excited because her daughter and son-in-law were coming to have Christmas dinner with them, and she was making this special meal, and that her son-in-law liked ham, and so she was going to make a ham. So there was no doubt in my mind that she was making that ham for him. Who cares when she bought it, right? But on the day of the holiday, her daughter said to someone at who was at the uh, table, Mom bought this ham specially for her husband. And then... My friend said, "No, I didn't. I've had this ham for a long time. Does that make anyone else's heart break? All in the name of truth. How many times do you do toxic, say toxic things? I know I do. I know I do, and I have to be sensitive to them." I, I, I don't do it all the time. And I'd like to say I do it seldom. But it doesn't matter. I do do it. And in that process, that caused her daughter to put, you know, more bricks around her inner divinity, caused the the son-in-law to feel less valued and honored, which was the intent of the ham. You know, so I, I think being impeccable with your word is a real challenge. And that would be another thing that I do. Brian.
1: Yes. It really comes down to not needing validation from other people, through other people, in other words. In other words, like we've been talking about, when we realize that we are loved by God, by Source, by Universe, by love itself that we don't need to go out and find validation in one another for saying that or realizing that for ourselves. And when we realize that we are loved, then our words are going to be impeccable because we realize that the other one being just like us, because when we talk about these concepts of oneness, of wholeness, of togetherness, it's not a bunch of individual things that, are very similar to one another. It is really one thing expressing itself in many uniquely different creative ways. And so in essence, we're all the same one thing. And so when we can recognize our divinity, we can recognize each other's divinity, and then what naturally begins to happen, and this is the beauty of it, what naturally begins to happen is that as we put our mind upon that truth, upon that realization, the vindictive, hurtful, deceitful words that come from our thoughts, so therefore those thoughts do not come to our mind at all. They just don't come to our mind. And then, obviously, if it doesn't come to mind, like I mentioned earlier, you can't make a choice that you don't know there's a choice to be made upon. So, if the... If the thoughts don't come to mind to even say such a thing and to be vindictive and hurtful, then of course you're not going to say those things. And so we can start to shift our mindset upon the good, upon the divinity of all of life, upon the truth of all of life. And from that point, just from that behavior, just from that choice of choosing that option, which is always available to us, we will start to see... Two things. One, we'll start to see our words being more, actually, three things. One, we'll start to be seeing our words be more helpful as it lifts one another up. Two, we'll start to catch ourselves when we are about to say something that might be hurtful, that might not be the most beneficial thing to say in that moment. And three, we'll find ourselves eventually not even having to guard our thoughts from if this is an okay thought or if this is a negative thought, our thoughts will start to just naturally evolve or change into peaceful and loving ones, and then we can live more naturally in that space of love, which is our natural inheritance, our natural way of being. But again, the choice becomes recognizing, like Mara has been sharing, the feeling that you're having from your thoughts and just noticing the thoughts in general, The the first place we can look at, if we're too mm, proud or too, um, you know, saying this is hogwash, I don't don't need to look at my feelings, is that we can look at the effect of our words upon other people. And we can know that if we are saying something that um, maybe isn't the most beneficial to another, and then they're, they're, they're showing back to us that it's not the most beneficial thing, that we can recognize that there can be some improvement in our words, some improvement in our energy, and some improvement in the way we said what we said, the presentation of what we said. But that's not always the case, like we've been mentioning. A lot of times someone, you can say something with, and mean it with love, and but someone else takes it some a different way. We can also recognize that it's not always that case. But when we look at it in that way sometimes and we re- and we just are curious to see if that is a beneficial thing that brought about a good result or not, when we just start to be curious and we just start to observe things, just in the observing of things in our lives happening within us, like Mario was mentioning, the feelings, or happening as a result of what We've done and what we're partaking in, just the simple fact of having the desire to be more aware and to pay more attention to what life, what's going on in life, starts to open our awareness and starts to bring in the possibility of making different choices because we're adding to the puzzle. It would be like let's say that in any given moment you have four choices that you can make based on. What it is you've experienced, and your level of awareness, let's say. But let's say that there were ten choices that could be made at that given moment. Well, the fact that you only know four of them gives you a limited experience as to what you can experience in that moment. And when we sit back and we observe things, just from doing that, from no longer trying to dictate onto the situation into life what is and we sit back and observe with a state of curiosity and wonderment, then things that we did not notice before come into our awareness, and then we're able to make a different choice. And this is the beauty of choosing to connect within, choosing to step back, and choosing to be curious as to what is happening in the situation that we're we're in, And how is it that we can be more appropriate and therefore beneficial to those around us? And these are choices, these are decisions, these are experiences that we can all choose for in each and every moment, if we so choose.
0: Yes, yes, exactly. You know, we only have... It's been a wonderful program today, and we only have eight minutes left, so I'm going to try to pick something, and let's see if we can, I would like to do just, I'm going to play Heaven and Earth Spirits, it is eight minutes, (laughs) so um, as our background here, I'm going to just quickly take everyone, and that will leave you about probably five minutes, Bry. okay? I'm going to see if I can get everyone to a place of feeling safe, and then if you can take it from there, be just a moment. So, if you could all please, for just a moment, take yourself to that place in your mind where you feel at peace. And generally one gets there by breathing in, oxygenating your body. So breathe in. Let your breath be as long as your breath can be. Pulling it up through your body. And you uniting your spirit with God. And as you breathe out, I want you to begin imagining that you are pulling a golden ball of oxygen around you, like a balloon. And so when you breathe in, the balloon gets bigger, and pretty soon it's encasing your whole being. And inside that balloon, everything is pure. You're in your pure divine state, and you are safe, and as you allow the safety to come through with your breath, feel the absence of any desire. God's love for you. We've survived many life choices we've made, many experiences. Because we have God with us and we are safe. Nothing holds us back. So now, as you sit here encased in your balloon of safety and love,
1: continuing to breathe, and allowing myself to just be, in this moment, absent of any judgment, of any should, simply noticing what is right now in this space, within us, and all around us. Choosing this disposition, choosing for this experience, but just allow yourself to feel as though you are being breathed. The breath is very natural. And when you allow it to be, it flows freely and effortlessly. But when we try to impose our will upon it, ...when we try to make it do something... ...and we try to hold it in... ...our lives... ...show us... ...as a result... ...the discomfort... ...that comes from holding on to the back... ...in the same way... ...when we look upon... ...any situation in life... ...and we... ...tell ourselves... ...that this situation is this... ...and therefore... It can be nothing else. And we hold on to that. Our experience becomes one that becomes heavy, uncomfortable. And we feel as though we could use nothing more than a fresh breath. But it's impossible to have a fresh new breath come in until you finally let go, exhale, and then allow a new breath in. A fresh breath, a rejuvenating breath. So as we learn to simply let go of the things that we're holding on to that do not serve us, and how do we know what does not serve us? It does not feel good. When you're not feeling good, it doesn't serve you. When you're feeling good, that serves you. So as we pay attention to how we are feeling, recognizing this feeling is one that we enjoy, or one that stands in opposition of our joy, we can simply choose not to fight against it and to say, be gone with it. But rather, I will choose the joy and we do this by releasing what we're in releasing the negativity releasing the heaviness and as a result in just releasing that the next experience that comes in will inevitably be one that is more peaceful but only if we choose so vehemently hold on to and at times they can feel as though we're not holding on to it but rather it simply is consuming us and there's nothing we can do about it we can recognize that that is just because we have a deep life right of a habit that we have falling into and that we just need to be more diligent in choosing for peace And saying to ourselves, I let this go. And instead, I choose peace. Let this be our meditation. Let this be our practice. It does not take long to do this. It takes but a few moments to recognize when you're feeling the heaviness. And to choose a peace instead. To say, ah. I see that I do not like this. This does not feel good. I, I wish to experience, Ethan said, to breathe slowly and deeply, and to allow yourself to let go of and release the heaviness, and allow it to be replaced with the lightness, with the beauty, and with the harmony that is in each moment that we can choose for. And that all we need to do is choose. And it shall be. So let us now spend the next few moments. Spend the next three breaths. Just feeling ourselves breathing naturally and easily. Breathing in peace Releasing tension, breathing in love, and releasing fear, breathing in joy, and releasing conflict, and allow yourself to just be in a space of ease and peace and well being now.
0: Thank you, Brian. Namaste.
1: Peace be with you this week. And you as well, my friend. It's all your listeners, thank you. thank you for being here. Thank be you all. As you go throughout your week. Namaste. Namaste.